Hello, this is international football commentator Derek Ray, and you're listening to the Ranks FC podcast. Rank Squad and welcome to Ranks FC. It's the first part of your big World Cup preview coming at you in two separate sections. We're going to walk through every single group of the World Cup that starts on Sunday and give you the lowdown on everything you need to know about each of these 32 teams. My name is Jack Collins and I'll be your host today and joining me is the Rank God, Mr. Sam Tai. How are you doing, mate? Hello, mate. Oh, we are five days out four days out three days out no matter it depends when you listen to this but it's feeling a bit strange isn't it I, I still don't I think I look outside I see the cold weather and I think nah this isn't the build-up to a world cup yeah this isn't right usually it's about 19 degrees in England by now and right now we're dropping we're dropping this is weird it's wet it's 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 wintry it's cold we've all it's got the lights on in our points. respective houses yeah, the the heating's on. It's a strange time for English people the heat, here. The heating's and, and, and not lots. on here. I can't afford that kind of thing. Yeah, we've had to put it on, I'm afraid. Bedroom, um, bedroom's consistently 16 degrees when I go to it. It's terrible times. Yeah, no, it's a, it's it's not it's not your average World Cup for a plethora of reasons. But we're gonna just talk through each group nonetheless. And of course, join us as well as our transfer guru, Mr. Dean Jones. How you doing, mate? Oh, I'm excited, mate. You know, it's only a few weeks now till football comes home and like we've been waiting for this moment for, for a long time. <laughs> I thought um, you were going to be like, it's only a few weeks until the Premier League is back. Like, <laughs> nah, no, yeah. I'm, I'm bang up for this, mate. Um, he sat in his England shirt. I sat in my England shirt. I'm, I'm watching uh, the England YouTube channel. Uh, the lads all set off to Qatar today. They're going on a plane called Rainbow. Love that. Love that. Let's let's make those Qataris uncomfortable and let's let's hammer home a few messages along the way during this World Cup. Um, obviously, this tournament probably shouldn't well shouldn't be there, um, but it is. It's going to happen. So now people have got to make a stand as they go through. They they're going to wear armbands throughout the tournament, rainbow armbands. Um, they'll get fined for it. They don't care. Whatever happens along the way, um, people are going to make some statements, and I'm sure there'll be loads of, of storylines on folding during this tournament but one of them will also be that England are finally World Cup winners again and that's the one that I'm most excited about. <laughs> uh, honestly the the raging overconfidence is always the thing that makes me happiest um, but it, it is one of those things and you're right and there are going to be statements throughout this tournament and FIFA coming out last week and being like can we focus on the football please is the equivalent of someone being like so the only comparison I can use here is like imagine if you're in church and someone's like you can't laugh during the sermon and your friends making funny faces at you. It's like, as soon as you said that, it's like, well, obviously it's going to happen now, isn't it? Like, what a ridiculous statement to make. People are allowed to do whatever they want. Um, That's that kind of how life works. So sorry, FIFA. Um, You don't control us. You've tried. You've really, really tried. Um, But it's not going to work. Right. Well, we've got a lot to get through. So let's rattle into this and let's start with Group A. Each group, I think what we're going to do is we're going to take the highest ranked team and work our way through the group and, and see kind of where we fall. So Group A is obviously the Netherlands, Senegal, Qatar and Ecuador. And we'll start with the Netherlands. So DJ, over to you. Yeah, massive tournament for the Netherlands. They're, they're back. They were missing from the last one. Um, and it's nice to see them back. This is a proper, 
proper football nation inspired by total football of course and all the years gone by and johan cruyff and and all the rest of it um and they're back and they're they're ready to well they hope make a statement they've got a decent squad very decent squad um Let's see whether Louis van Gaal can do this. He's 71 years old now. He's got some pretty serious health problems too. He says that this squad is going to energise him. Um, what we do know is he's going to not take any prisoners. He'll do whatever he wants. <laughs> like, this is not a man that is about to bow to any like player pressure, any fan pressure, whatever. He doesn't care anymore. He's 71. He's been in the game a long time. He's not feeling that great. He's going to be doing whatever he wants. Um, look, Netherlands will be in like a a three four one two. That's how Van Gaal ex- explained the system that they play. Most people, when they dress it up, they put it down as a five three two. But Van Gaal doesn't see it that way. Yeah, I don't um, think that's accurate at all. I think it's a three, it's a three four one two. <laughs> Louis spot on. It's a very yeah. til- it's a very tilty back five, isn't Every it? Every guy you look at says five three two at the moment. So um, just bear that in mind when you are looking at your at your previews of, of how this tournament is going to shape up. Um, players to look out for. I mean, look, they've got a lot. Um, we know most of them. Cody Hakpo is someone that we have talked about obviously on this podcast quite a lot for quite a long time now um and he's one of those that you've got to be excited about at a world cup because it's all about form and you want to see players like just feeling like they are ready for this stage and they're ready to make a name for themselves on an even bigger platform and look let's face it Hakpo is a good world cup he probably makes a massive transfer in january that is the reality of it i know psv are having a good season and he's a massive reason for that um, he's actually quite new at international level. He's only played nine games for Netherlands, um, but he's pretty special now. He's got but, huge breakout energy, hasn't he, Dean? He's yeah, got like, a, probably, yeah. probably the biggest breakout energy in the whole tournament, I would argue. Like, I think that's it, like, yeah. Yeah, most likely to make a 50 million euro transfer after the World Cup, Cody Hakpo. Exactly, and it's a funny one because like a lot of people... in. You know, like football, have probably heard of him by now, but I bet not many people would I be able to identify him in a lineup. He's one of those. Like you've heard of him, but you don't really know what he's like as a footballer. You have probably no idea what he actually looks like. Um, and over the course of the next few weeks, I think you definitely will recognise Cody Hakpo by the time this tournament is over. But the man that still going to be looking at for goals is probably Memphis um which feels weird because he doesn't really play football <laughs> in the rest of the season um <laughs> a thigh injuries held him back a bit this year but obviously Barcelona have have moved away from him being central to their striking uh plans but you know he's good on the international stage he's got 42 international goals he's got well, he's a great footballer, isn't he? And technically, like he really fits into the model of how this team is built. Um, I'm quite excited about seeing this team because I think that the ceiling could be almost whatever they want it to be. Like uh, they could crash and burn. They they could because like they they haven't been in a tournament for a while. They're new to it. Van Hal, I honestly don't know what we're going to get from him and what. What's going to happen? I'm sure there'll be a couple of weird things that happen within that squad. Um, but we could definitely imagine this team makes the semi-final. Like, they could. Um, 
And if you're in the semi-final, it means you could get to the final, obviously. It looks like um, the big test will come. I think I think Argentina in the quarterfinal is how it like pans out on the paper. It never happens, right? <laughs> like that, you can plan these tournaments as much as you like and try and figure out who the final is going to be. It never works out that way, so it's kind of pointless exercise. Um, but Van Hal has made it to the, the final stages before as, as manager of this team. In 2014, they came third. And they've got a good good experience here in Netherlands of, of experienced players and also players that are making their breakthrough and are new to this stage. And they are definitely looking to make a statement. The yeah. big difference, I think, for the Dutch, people are pointing out on paper, at least, if between like this team and the 2014 guys. The 2014 team, actually, like it was weird. It was weird. I don't know how many people remember this, but like for some reason, Ron Vlaar was possessed by the spirit of Yapstam and... Um, just like went absolutely nuts, and Stefan de Vray and Bruno Martins Indy did as well. Daryl Janmat was in that team. He got a move to Newcastle. This they actually weren't a great team, really on paper. But what they what they did have was Iron Robin and Wesley Snyder, and they had they had two like elite footballers in the attacking trident, and they had Robin van Persie. Said three. Um, they don't have really that on paper right now, and pe- that's what people are, are pointing to. Are you saying, saying that Valt Veghorst is not an elite attacker? Is that what you're? Is that what you're getting at? I might be suggesting that Valt Veghorst is not on the level of Robin van Persie. Yeah. I mean, it's a bold but statement. Other people, I respect other it. people, you know, like yeah. Um, but the, on paper, they are probably short in that area compared to last time. But people need to remember that Memphis takes on this like different form when he plays for the Netherlands. He's like all of the South Americans who just up it several levels when they play for their nation. It's really interesting to see a European player have that trait. He just goes up a notch. And also this team built from the back, you know, with with Virgil van Dijk and, uh, you know, marshalling a back three, which is really strong. Like, and Frankie in the middle, like this is a better overall team than 2014. It might lack, mm. might lack the strike force on paper, but Memphis and Cody Hakpo are serious. Bergvine is a seriously good footballer and they're built, they're built through really nicely. I see semi-final hype and I, I struggle to disagree with it. I see people saying dark horse. I don't know if they qualify for a dark horse, hmm. but if they do, then yeah, they're, they're an obvious pick. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, I'm with Dean on if they come up against Argentina, then that's going to be very, very interesting. But just the way that this tilts, the way that Denzel Dumfries gets forward and they, they play with, with Bergwijn tending to drift over to that right-hand side, which means that sometimes Dumfries inverts and goes inside and basically plays as a second nine. We've talked about that before with him at Inter. He, he loves to get striker. in the box. He thinks he's a forward, yeah. Um, but they will do that and... Daily Blind will tilt a little bit backwards to, to make it a back four when they're going forward. Frankie can drop in there, pick up and, and carry in, in transition. It's a really nice side. They're really well balanced. And there's a lot of depth in these midfield areas, right? They might not be up front, but there's a lot of depth in these midfield areas with Frankie de Jong, Coke Miners, Martin Derone, David Klaassen is still very much an integral part of this side. So it's going to be interesting to see how, how the Netherlands line up and, and make things happen. Um, but with that, I think it's probably time to roll on to the middle two teams, you would say, on paper, Sam, with Ecuador and Senegal. Yeah, I think two teams that, on paper at least, feel like they're kind of vying for that second best team in the group spot. Um, and we'll get to Qatar shortly, who feel like a real a real unknown here. But the Dutch are clearly the strongest team in this group. And Ecuador and Senegal are both probably looking at this and thinking, this is the group we can qualify from. You've got, you've got two teams here who will feel pretty strongly that they can they can get into second place here. Now, 
Senegal obviously have had the tragic news recently that Sadio Mane has is, is, is picked up an injury and he's still going, but we don't really know how fit he's going to be. And it's what it's done is it's washed away a lot of the the really well-placed optimism around this team that they could maybe go on and achieve something really special here. Like African nations have never won the World Cup. Um, I think the furthest they've ever got is a quarter-final berth. And this Senegal team felt like they had the potential to get to that point and then see what happens because they've just been crowned as African champions, Senegal, for the first time in their history. They're riding this absolute wave of optimism. And Sadio Mane then picks up an injury in the penultimate, I think, penultimate game of Bayern Munich's sort of half half term. So now they have to kind of just readjust a little bit. They just have to reassess exactly where they are and they have to try and get through this group without Sadio Mane, probably. And then maybe they can welcome him back in for game four if they get to it. Now, that would be amazing, but they have to do the hard yards without him, which is not what you want because he's so talismanic. But they are a good team. Like They've built solidly through the middle. You know, Idrissa Gay, Kaladu Koulibaly, they're a good team. Um, and they have a system and they'll be reactive regardless. They just need to get much more out of Bouledia up front. They need to get more out of Ismail Assar on the right-hand side and they'll be okay. And Ecuador, I mean, Ecuador have some pretty... Some pretty sharp players too. The way they burst into space, the, you know, the way that they can counterattack and, and burst forward. And Gonzalo Plata, you've got Purvis Estupinian. They're a good team too. And they're really solidly built through the middle. Moises Caicedo might just get his big, his big, big breakout here as well on the world stage. No, no disrespect to Brighton and Hove Albion there. So two interesting teams here. Two teams I think are good enough to finish second in a World Cup group. But obviously only one of them can. And, and actually, Dean... It might be that neither of them do because we have a bit of a surprise package here. Yeah, so um, it's, it's, I love this group. I love this group. And um, just looking at the the opening fixtures of it too. So obviously, yeah, opening night, right? Qatar v. Ecuador. And then on the Monday, it will be Senegal v. Netherlands. Like Qatar, Ecuador. I've heard too many people saying, not going to watch that. Yes, you are. You are going to watch this game. And look, I can't say for sure that Qatar are going to surprise us all. But they might. And that, I find that quite interesting because just through the bit of research that I've done on this team, they are, they've got a togetherness and an understanding of each other and a style of play that means they probably have an edge that other teams and certainly other fans probably aren't expecting to have. Around half the squad play for the same club team, Al Sad. They all play there. There's like 11 of them, 12, <laughs> the same club team. Absolute madness. And the rest of them coach. will play for Al Duhail, the other one. <laughs> the others are pretty much at the same team. They've like had a long break for the World Cup. They've been playing and training together for a while. Yeah, they, they've been they, coached. They suspended the league Yeah, on the 14th of September. That was when the league stopped for the World Cup break. And everyone's been in since doing national Two team months. stuff. That's a but, long time. Are they they've still friends? playing little friendlies? They've I've just like, spent two months with you two. I'd be sick of you. <laughs> yeah, true. But um, yes, I was going to say too, like at Al Sad, don't forget they were coached by Xavi and they've been taught a, a passing style. They're a very well-connected team. They they understand their roles. Um, they're a good side. And I was looking at it too and they scored. Um, at the, They played in the 29 Asian Cup. They basically have done like a global tour over the past 12 years. Like preparing for this tournament has like taken a lot of work because like they basically weren't a team 12 years ago when they got this tournament. Um, And they've had to set themselves up to to become competitive. So they've played in 
all sorts of stuff. I mean, they even played in Copa America at one point. Um, but at the Asian Cup in 2019 and in the Gold Cup in 2021, they were the top scorers and they've got a couple of players that it's worth looking out for. I don't know that I'm going to do the pronunciation of their names any justice, but I apologise to the lads. But Almoez Ali and Akram Afif. Um, are... I like Afif the most because his name is FIFA backwards. <laughs> it is, it is. Um, conspiracy. Conspiracy there for sure. Tin hats on, lads. Tin hats on. Um, but... Yeah, those two are are a proper partnership that that they'll be excited about and they need to deliver if they're going to do anything at this tournament. But I I've just got a feeling in that first game that they might actually pull something off. And if they do, they've got a great chance of getting through to the knockouts. Um Yeah, all you need to do is win one game in the you group. You have to win one game and you've you're, you've got a pretty good chance. Um so I don't know if they can actually do that, but they're the ambition really is for them to just win a game at this World Cup. Like that's that's an unbelievable achievement for Qatar. So, yeah, look, it's it's a weird one because we're all preparing to watch a team that, let's be honest, we've never watched before. Like you can't really even. I was trying to watch some of their games in the build-up to the tournament. You can't find streams of their stuff. They're like even on Reddit, you can't find a lot. You can find a few highlights here and there, but in terms of watching a full game, it's been very very hard. They've played all sorts of friendlies. They've played like. Udinese at one point. They played Croatia's under-23 team. They lost to them. They played Mallorca. They've played a load of random international teams, as I say. It's a weird one, but just be prepared that they might not be as bad as you think. They might be all right. Yeah, I mean, this is the thing. When you have a team that are drilled and they know exactly what they're going to do, Qatar, there's no kind of... There's not going to be surprises as how Qatar try to play here. They're going to try and dominate the ball. They're going to try and knock it around the back. And eventually, they'll try and get it to the front too. And they'll expect them to be the players that do things. I mean, Hassan Al-Haidos will get a little bit higher up. He plays in the midfield three. But he is one of those players that can play wide. He can play up front and has done at times. He's the one that will get up there to support them. And Amwes Ali, as you say, is the player who will stay kind of central and, and occupy centre-backs whilst Afif will kind of drift around and, and kind of allow this team to build up through him, which makes it interesting, I think. But yeah, I'm I'm with you. I've I've got a funny feeling Qatar get out of this group. And I think this no. is the where where we're looking at here is is a team that they can get an opening day win. They're right in the mixer because they know exactly how to play with each other. There's no question marks about how they're going to line up. There's no question marks about how they're going to play. This is a team very, very well drilled in home conditions and home climates who will, and as you say about the two teams everybody plays for in the squad, who are well used to playing with each other. I, I just think that these intangibles, if you will, don't sometimes go under the radar in in World Cups. And, and effectively, that ability to just know each other's game and, and know the game plan I think might well counter the fact that on paper there are worse teams than some of the others. I'm going Netherlands and Senegal. I mean, that's, that's the my... safe bet. That that's is the, the safe bet, bet, but it's probably the logical one. Yeah. I understand. Yeah. I think Qatar have got a, a, an opportunity, like I said, but I still got to say Senegal. Yeah. Okay, Sam? I didn't know we had to do predictions. Yeah, yeah we're sticking them in. No, yeah, we're rank, I'm not We're ready. ranking the teams. We're ranking not, the teams. It's, it's called not... Ranks FC. Oh man! You only got to pick. To... You only got to pick Netherlands and Senegal, Ecuador, think, Qatar. Yeah, I think it's going to be Netherlands to win the group, and um, 
as much as I actually really want it to be Ecuador, I'm also going to stick with Dean and say it's going to be Senegal. I'm going to go Netherlands, Qatar. Yeah, that's my that's my first prediction. Are you missing out on games you'd want to watch because they're not broadcast in your region? Well, let me introduce NordVPN. If you're in the UK, but you'd rather listen to commentary from our old pal Derek Ray, why not give something new a go? Using NordVPN and the click of a button, you can do just that. And the same goes for our US listeners who are desperate for those dulcet tones of Peter Drury or Martin Tyler. There's no need to travel to Japan if you want to watch the J-League or Austria to keep an eye on the latest youngsters flying off the RB Salzburg pipeline when Nord NordVPN brings it right to you. With 5,000 plus server options, no game is out of your reach. Using our link nordvpn.com forward slash ranks FC, you can try it for a free month. And also there's a huge discount on their two-year plan. On to Group B, shall we? And uh, let's start with England. We've heard how Dean feels about England. This This group is obviously England, USA, Wales and Iran. Um, we've heard how Dean feels about England's chances, Sam. How do you? Uh, I'm deeply concerned. Um, paralysed with fear, almost, on this one. I just, I just, I'm struggling with the idea that we can really, really hang with the big guns. Um, I don't think, I don't think our group is particularly strong. Like, I don't, I don't. I'm not strongest really worried group about on paper. All, all four teams in FIFA's top 20 of the rankings. I'm not worried about the opponents in the group stage. Um, but I don't think, I don't think we can really, we'd need another one of those. Uh, we need a third tournament in a row where we somehow avoid all of the big guns all the way through, um, which is our speciality. Obviously it happened in 2018 and, 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 and again in the Euros to an extent. Um, yeah, I'd be, I'd be deeply concerned about this team coming up against some of the absolute best. So I'm kind of keeping a lid on my optimism here for England, but in terms of the group, like it's like playing Wales is always, is always a great, Always a great occasion. Playing the USA is particularly fun for the Ranks SE podcast. Um, Iran are in it as well. Don't really care about that one too much. Um, but I think we're probably we're probably f- we're shy of the best. Not just in terms of you know the quality and the confidence, but also just like the form. You know, we've got a couple of players here that that we're, we're heading into this World Cup, and I'm thinking, yeah, you could do the business. You could do the business. But we've got a couple who I'm like just petrified of. Like, you know, we, we can't escape the fact that Harry Maguire is in absolutely dreadful form. We can't escape the fact that, you know, guys like John Stones and Calvin Phillips have had have had injuries recently. We're, we're missing Reese James. Harry Kane has looked quite tired recently. As, when, when, when does he not look quite tired recently? Um, I'm, I'm a bit worried. I'm a bit worried that we're not going to live up to our potential and, and our, our potentially our expectation because... Even my wife is walking around saying, well, semi-finals in 2018, finalist in 2021, natural progression, we're going to win. <laughs> I know she's joking, but I need to tell her every time to stop <laughs> because the more she says that in front of people, the more people will say it. I think it's healthy to lower our expectations a little bit, but I don't look at England right now. I really don't. And, and Jack, you'll absolutely agree with me. I don't look at England right now and see a team that can hang with Argentina and Brazil. And the and, and some of the absolute best. I just don't see it, but I do see a team that can that can finish top of this group without too much of a problem. I also don't see a team that are particularly fun to watch or no. good in many ways. Um, oh, we're good at we're good at winning games. You're good at winning games, though, and and that's exactly yeah. what I would say in in, in England's defence for that is that England don't necessarily have to be all that good. 
right? They they score goals from set pieces or did mostly at the last World Cup. Um, this is a side that know what they're doing in, in those areas. They're good at taking leads and then trying to hang on to them. Now, that hasn't been the best way of, of, of working against your Croatias or your Italys in the last couple of tournaments. But it doesn't take much for England to shithouse their way through games is basically what I'm getting at here. And I think there is an element of watching England where you're like, this could they could just win every game 1-0. And, and and that's how it could pan out. And and so I think there is some part of, of me that looks at this and goes, could England be in the mixer here for how this pans out? And could England be in the mixer at the sharp end of this tournament? Yeah, of course they could. And... Ultimately, when when you're looking at this, would that be good for football as a whole? I, I think the answer is no. Yeah, be great. I'd, I'd, and I've home. got a, a real theories about this, and we'll come on to it a little bit later on. But the team that wins a World Cup, I think, influences the style of football around the world for a long, long time. And for a team that plays negatively and as conservatively as England to win the World Cup, I think would affect football in a in a diminishing way across the club game. I think teams would go on from there and be like, oh, okay, so if they can win tournaments like that, then why don't we all just sit in and try and hit teams on the counter and, and win? And that's what everybody does teams. anyway. It wouldn't take it's yeah. winning a World really, Cup for everyone what, to what do. What did France that? do in the last World Cup? Like Italy three doing the Euros. Three teams win a tournament. How many goals did France? How many goals did France score in the last World we'll Cup? We'll score loads of goals. Not that many. Will you? Yeah. And France didn't score that many goals, by the way. They, they like there's one game I think where they scored. Like it's we're a good team. Like you're talking about us. Like, you're talk, you're you're trying to play us down a bit here. Like, I'm not. You're saying I, we're going to shit our shit our way through a tournament. I Mate, think that's we're exactly very good. how you're going to play. Like no, it's we, not. We will, we will we will be will be reactive and we'll be cautious. Um, Jack, that's I think, a difference. I, I think you're. I think the point you just made about the World Cup with its influencing football was true about 12 years ago, but I'm not sure it's true anymore. Okay. Right. Well, I, I think, I I think you, I look through the history, think... you look through the history of the game. Yeah, the key is history. Massive. The key yeah, word what? is history. Okay, so, but history influences the present. I think that's massive. No, but we've got bigger figures that are influencing football more firmly nowadays, like Pep Guardiola and, and, and club level managers. Because, yes, the World Cup used to be the pinnacle of football. It used to be where the best play. That's no longer the case. The, okay. the case the, the the point is the Champions League is now where the absolute best play. That's, that's fine, but it's sport. still the most watched tournament on earth. It's still the one with the biggest prestige. And, I'm with and you I on it being most watched, but happen. that doesn't. I mean, every coach in football watches the Champions League football, uh, final. Every coach in football watches the World Cup final. Like, it's not a, a greater degree of people with coaching knowledge that are what. Like, that's not the. It's not really how it works for the influence. I do think that we're beyond that point now. England would not ruin football for the next ten years because Pep Guardiola still exists right, no, in just England. Next four years. Hang on, someone else will win it in four years' time. It'll be fine. Um, <laughs> At least but, you're saying we're going to win it. So that's good. Um, well, I, I, just said, I, I, said, I said that England have a, a fair shot, which I which I don't think Sam got to. You know, I, I don't see a team who are know. exciting and good to watch here, but I do see a team that that know how to play in tournament football. Yeah, look, we're really good at tournament football. And the, the thing that will hold England back is that I don't think the team believe that they can ever win a, a final, depending on who they're up against. Like, that was the thing that... Um, you, you look at the last two upsets, like Croatia um, were technically superior and probably had a better mindset on the day in the semi-final, like, despite England taking an early lead. The early goal from Trippier probably killed them in a way because it, it changed the game plan. And then against Italy, we went in at half-time thinking we were you know kings of europe and then italy were like there's still a long way to go and the mindset changes and as soon as england have doubts in their mind that's when our big problem always comes like as soon as 
anyone in England, like it doesn't matter whether you're doing a different job to football, we have a weak mentality as a nation <laughs> and we can't deal with doubt. Okay. Well, this is like, this is one thing that America, we'll talk about in a minute, they have it over us is that Taylor was brought up to believe that she was the part of the greatest country in the world. Like they are just taught to believe that they are the best, no matter what they do. We are not brought up like that. We're not no, brought not. up like that. And um, it, it does affect everything that we do. It's been changing slowly in football. Like we've got a great women's team now too. And in other sports, we've been doing well, you know, won the cricket the other day I saw. Um, but <laughs> for this Deep men's... was glued to it, as you can imagine. Yeah, I didn't see a second of it, but I saw we won it. I was like, well, that's, that's good. I mean, at least we're winning stuff. Um, <laughs> but, you know, if we were to go up against Brazil or Argentina in the final, I would imagine they'd have a stronger mentality to believe they could win that game than probably we would, because we would be talking about... Can we do it? Will it be the fast fate? And all those things will be on your mind when it comes to penalties, we'll miss one. That's that's probably the reason I'm most scared of the tournament is that our self-doubt is actually our biggest opponents. Well, there's there's definitely a case for like, so Alexis Guerreros and the Cooligans keeps telling me that um, uh, England are going to get knocked out in the group stage because um, Wales really want to beat England like more than anything in the world. USA really want to beat England time, more than... More than anything in the world, like that, like the, these yeah, are these are fixtures, group. these are fixtures that that these two teams are going to absolutely target and relish, and England won't be able to deal with it. And then, you know, it's going to going to get off to a slow start with Iran, and then it's going to spiral out from there. <laughs> this is very very much in board with what you were just talking about there, Dean, with yeah. the mentality. Reminds me of that stupid scene from Superstore where Glenn, the store manager, <laughs> says, it, "America, America is the best," and someone goes, "What is America best at?" And he goes, "At being number one." <laughs> and that's exactly. it that's that's the mentality and we're just like we're true. the worst well, <laughs> let's go let's go on to the, let's go on to the stars and yeah stripes, look the thing is with the states they don't like their coach nobody has any faith in him right so like as soon as the squad was announced across social media the main reaction from everyone was like picking out players that they weren't happy that were called up saying can't wait till we flop so bear houters out of a job Oh, like, like us. That's what we did. Cool. <laughs> so, like, fact, well, I was going to say that sounds familiar. Well, there are reservations about Southgate for England. At least he's got a track record of actually doing well, and he's got a plan, even if it is a bit cagey and reactive, and we, he doesn't let our great players off the leash. At least he can do that if it comes to it. Like Bearhouter has struggled to convince anyone he's capable of actually leading this team into a tournament. But at least. He's done it, you know, he's come through the adversity and he's actually here. So maybe he feels like he's got nothing to lose at this point. Um, he'll probably be out of a job either way, I'd imagine, after this one. But um, Well, not if they win it. If they want to win the <laughs> tournament, yeah. Not if they win the tournament. But um, yeah, look, they've, they've obviously got a very European feel to their starting eleven now. And that's a big advantage to them. That they're, they're producing very, very good players for huge clubs um, in Europe. And that's... That just shows how far US soccer's evolved. And it's it's really impressive that they're being able to do that. And this group of players have come come through together. They've got the youngest average age at the World Cup. It's about 24. And they haven't played at a World Cup. So on one, it's not going to be helpful, probably. I mean, it's good that they all know each other and they've come through other tournaments together and all this stuff. The togetherness is there. But there's no one in this squad with the experience to deal with a massive moment against England or a massive moment in the knockouts, whatever it is. 
And okay, they might they might be like, well, that's good because there's no past, there's no doubts in their head, no past uh, pain that they yeah, no they're going to have. Come, yeah, no ghosts exactly there. So that might help them. But then underlying that, you can put every single one of their players head to head with England's eleven and England are better in every single position. Now, so Tim Ream is actually better than Harry Maguire. I'm sorry, I think, is. I think Tim I think Ream Wales. is better than Harry Maguire. I think there's so, a case of Wales being better than the USA for a lot of those positions as well, like player for player. Like, I'm yeah. not seeing, I'm not seeing the USA is on paper anything better than the third best team in this group here. I, 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 Dean keeps telling me I'm wrong, but I'm really underwhelmed by the strength of their eleven. Like, yeah, really, quite, I've actually been harder on them there than I actually am in reality. Yeah, like the the central midfield three when fit is really good. I don't know the about MMA the rest of it good. outside of Pulisic. Like, I just don't. Yeah, I don't see it. I don't, they haven't I don't got look a goal scorer, right? They haven't got a goal scorer. Well, and that's... They've, they've put all the all the hopes, all the dreams lie on the shoulders of, of Jesus Ferreira, right? Ferreira, and it's like he, he's got seven goals from uh, 15 games and that's good. It's not bad. Yeah. It's, it's good. not bad at all. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So like that, but that's what they're pinning it on. Like they're like, well, good so far. Let's hope for the best. Um, I do like the, t- like I think like, Adams, Musa, McKenney. It's a great midfield three. If all three are fit, yeah. I genuinely think that that is a major, major strength of this team. And I, I can't really doubt that. Pulisic, if he's fit and if he's on form, then yeah, he can make a difference. He's obviously going to have extra motivation here. And he's got the responsibility of the nation basically on his shoulders because he's the poster boy. Um, Brendan Aronson, Gio Reyna. Brendan Aronson. And they, they got, honestly, I think their starting 11 is good. I, I really do. Like, of course, I'm going to say I expect England to beat them, but. I think that this team can get through a grow. I see like on socials, especially USMNT like accounts on Instagram, uh, picking out like things that are being, have been in the past said and written in England about the US and how the last time we played them at the World Cup, we were like quite detrimental and like it's just America, we make fun of them and stuff, makes fun of soccer or whatever. Like that's not really going on anymore. So like if you think that like England are like completely like, undermining you thinking that you're clowns like that's not really the case like of course we expect to win that game and we expect to win the group but no one here is like oh well us that that's four or five nil like i'm not expecting that at all no like, not again cl- we, could, we couldn't score four goals it'd probably be one nil It'd probably be one nil. Like, yeah, to the US. Okay. If the Hoover Dan is playing, Tim Ream and Cameron Carter Vickers, then uh then who's gonna score who's gonna score against that? My, my answer is nobody. US don't concede a goal in the group stages. Bold predictions out loud if the Hoover Dam plays. Um but yeah, no, I think I think this is it's interesting to see how this one pans out. And I'm gonna move us on to Wales because I think this side are very, very good. Um, I'm I'm really excited about how Wales play here. They're they're reactive and they are uh, a counter-attacking side who will look to counter-punch heavily, who can sit in and soak up. And I think that Wales are, are very, very good at it. This is a, a team that's built on this mentality. They will be built around target men, players playing off them and, and off these two wing-backs who will fly forward constantly. You look at the attacking core here and you look at Gareth Bale, Obviously, you look at Brennan Johnson, you look at Kiefer Moore. Now, look, I've been very, very critical of Kiefer Moore on this podcast before. And I don't think he's the world's best player, but I think he's incredibly useful in this setup. What they ask him to do is to be a traditional focal point number nine target man. And 
what we're seeing from him in this world setup is exactly that. And if you have players like Brennan Johnson, like Nico Williams, like Connor Roberts, like Gareth Bell, who can put the ball in dangerous areas and more can peel off and attack a fullback at the back post, he is going to score goals. Um, and if you add that to the fact that Johnson is a brilliant transitional player who's very, very good at skipping past his man and getting into space, if you add to that that Gareth Bale has incredible dead ball ability and also is still Gareth Bale, we saw that when he popped up in MLS Cup despite being on the pitch for about six minutes with 10 men uh, to score an equaliser in the last minute, that this side can cause damage. And I think that the way that they play, especially against England... Um, will suit this group. I think the fact that they're reactive and fast on the break, I think the fact that they will look to get wide and attack those spaces with the wing backs is going to make it very, very difficult to beat Wales. Um, and I think that everybody is susceptible to sucker punches from them. Now, we could probably say something similar for Iran um, in terms of how they look to soak up pressure, but I think Wales are better at it. And the fact that they have got into the top tier of the Nations League and stayed there. The fact that they have been a threat at the last two major tournaments um, that they've been at, you know, obviously Euro 2016 and then Euro 2021, they've been very good in both. I'm, I'm here to, to look at this well side and go, yeah, I think that they are going to cause real problems. I think they're going to bloody some noses, if, if I'm honest, about how they're going to they're gonna set up. And and I fancy Wales to cause a shock here. I mean, we'll get to it with the predictions, but I really fancy Wales to cause a shock. Did you just say that Wales were very good at, at the Euros? What, the last Euros? They were awful. Absolutely shocking at the Euros. They, got, they managed to climb out of the group, but they were like one of the worst teams to watch like in terms of the synchronicity. Oh, yeah, yeah. Hang on, hang on. We, we, like we, we, were... I'm not talking about in terms of being good to watch. I'm talking about they've no, overperformed no, were... expectations no, in the last me, two were... tournaments gone. They were, I mean, they were very good at Euro 2016, of course, but in the last Euros, they actually played really badly and managed to scrape their... I don't know how they did it, but... In terms of like actual team setups, they were atrocious. They were one of the worst teams I watched. I could not have been less impressed with Wales. I remember saying it at the time as well. You have to promise me that they're going to be better than that because that was tragically bad. I like, think, really I think bad. they're a very good side. I think they're a very good side, very well managed, and they know what they're doing. There was a lot of chaos before that tournament with the turnaround, given the fact that it was all up in the air. I think they did really well to get to where they got to. I think they overperformed the expectations going into the tournament twice. Um, and I think that we're seeing them now as a more cohesive unit that have an attacking brand that they know how to use, not an attacking brand full stop. They're a defensive team. Let's just make that clear. But um, that they know how to utilize that with, with their flick-ons, with Kiefer Moore, with that big number nine profile in there. And and I think that Wales are, are going to be a little bit of a, of a dark horse in this group. Let's put it that way. I don't think they're a dark horse. I think they're the second best team. Um, they're better than the USA. Okay. I think they'll finish second. I think they'll finish second. Yeah, um, I, I, think I think they'll finish gonna, top. I think they're going to be horrid to play against. Like I hate, I hate the idea of having to deal with Kiefer Moore. He's just, ugh, he's just he, he elbows you, he jostles you, he wins headers from corners. They've got they've got you know Bale's set piece delivery. They've got Sorber Thomas's set piece delivery as well to call upon if they want it. Like it's yeah. gonna be it's gonna be really uncomfortable to play against Wales. And yeah. I never enjoy that fixture whatsoever. I'd still back us to win the group, but I think Wales are going to finish second. Yeah, I'll just quickly gloss over Iran, who are also in this group, and people won't be giving them a chance. I mean, they've got a bit of a, a golden generation, Iran, and this is 
basically them in their prime is probably their last chance to actually do something. Um, it's their fifth appearance in the last seven World Cups, which is pretty good. Pretty good record. Uh, Carlos Quiroz is at back at the helm. Um, he's come back in to, to take charge. And look, someone like experienced like that as a tactician, like he's got, he's got to help them. Um, the last coach had serious problems um, during qualifications, stuff like literally falling out with key players. Like it was, it was not a harmonious squad at all. Um, so yeah, look, Iran. They'll they'll use two up top. I, I spoke to someone who. Um, covers Iran and I said like what do we expect of this team and he said there'll be two different approaches like against England they'll just try to soak things up and play on the break if they can but ultimately try and get a draw and if they can't then a narrow defeat and then in the games against Wales and USA they'll actually try to to get something out of those games Um, and basically they'll, they'll send crosses into the box and hope that they can rely on their strikers. They've got Mehdi Taremi, who's, who's a, obviously a great forward for, for FC Porto. Um, he He's very good. And, and Sadar's Moon is fit as well, which is obviously very, very important for this team. So they're not terrible. They, they'll probably like narrowly lose games, I would imagine. But um, This group yeah, is not going to be great fun to watch. I think it's probably the, the key element. There, there's no not side you, in here. Not for you, because we'll be battering everyone. Mate. Oh, yeah, but there's no side in here that's going <laughs> to step on and take it to people. This it, It's all just like, oh, we're all very reactive. We're all very, you know, I, I think there's going to be a lot of one-nils and nil-nils in this group. That that's where I'm, that's how I'm looking at it. And obviously, yeah. it's the World Cup. Yeah. I could comp- be completely out. But in terms of how teams have played so far... And especially considering that at tournament football, everyone tends to be a little bit cagier than they normally would be. This is one of those teams, one of those groups, I think, this might not be the most entertaining group in the world. I'd agree with that for sure. Right, let's get a couple of predictions in then, Sam. England, Wales. Dean? England, USA. I'm going to go Wales, England. Two wrong so far, Jack. We've only had two groups. Yeah, well, that's it. My Why predictions are famously really good. I, I just think the Wales are going to cause. You I think, think they're going to bloody nose finish above England? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I think England are going to fail to win one of their games. I think they're going to just like draw nil nil with one of Iran or or the USA, um, and and then we'll see how it goes from there. Right, let's go on to Group C, where things thankfully get a little bit more exciting. Um, so. I'm going to take us on to Argentina, who are my favourites to win this tournament. Um, Look, it's loads of fun at the moment with La Scaloneta, as they've been nicknamed in their home country. It's like a little bus that everyone's on. Scaloni was thrown in kind of accidentally, to be perfectly honest with you, after Sampaoli was relieved of his duties after the last World Cup and the mess that that was. Um, They basically put Scaloni in because they didn't have any money um but it's it's really worked and they're currently on the longest unbeaten run in international football they won their first major tournament when they lifted the 2021 copper america for 28 years it had been since argentina had lifted silverware and look i think that what we've seen here is giving a manager time to mold a squad and mold a team that are more than the sum of their parts and that's it right for for the first time in ages I think Scaloni has basically done what everyone else has failed to do, which is get the best out of Lionel Messi without making him the single dangerous player in this team. For so long, it felt like Argentina were like, I'll just give Messi the ball and he might do something. Uh, And with this team, it feels like it's still right, get Messi in the best possible positions. But if they triple mark him, 
we'll kill you elsewhere. And and that's, I think, really, really nice to see because at the last World Cup, it looked like he had the weight of the world on his shoulders. And it was, you know, that missed penalty, Dean. I mean, you were in the stadium for, for that penalty. And the pressure and the whole like, oh God, if this doesn't go in, yeah. it could be curtains. And look, ultimately it was because mm. if they'd won that group, they wouldn't have faced France in the, the round of 16. They sure. probably would have a far better shot at, at trying to qualify. And actually this time round, I think it just feels like Argentina have this kind of ability to suffocate opponents into submission. And this 4-3-3, which has Lautaro or Julian Alvarez, who's brilliant, um, and, and what what option to have off the bench um, in, in in the front line? Obviously, um, Angel Di Maria is is probably going to play on the left hand side, but if not, Nico Gonzalez can play there. Uh, Papu Gomez can play there. There's a lot more ability across the team. The midfield three, one of them will be a holding number six. It's either going to be Guido, who plays uh, Real Betis, or Leandro Paredes at Juventus. And then he'll play two attacking number eights. Now, Sam and I discussed on, on Monday's podcast the fact that Gio Celso is out is a problem for, for Argentina because there's no one that does quite what he does as the other number eight. But I have faith in them to work it out. Um, they play really nice, fluid possession football where they create overloads all the way through from playing out from the back to trying to break down low blocks and, and and teams who sit in against them. And they're really, really good in transition as well. So what we're looking at here is, is a team in glorious form who have a really lovely style of play to watch and who have the depth options now to really make a go of this, I think. And, and, and I have almost all faith that Argentina are going to be semi-finalists at the very least. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, lots of variants can come into play, but they're definitely going to win this group. Like, they're very good. I have no no additional notes. They're going to win this group. They're probably going to get nine points. Yeah, I mean, I can't see anyone holding them up uh, in, in this group. I mean, you see Mexico and Poland, the two next sides in there, if you will, uh, and then Saudi Arabia are the kind of wild card at the bottom. But let's come on that kind of scrap for second between Mexico and Poland before I bring us back to Saudi Arabia. Yeah, I mean, Mexico, they, they just don't seem to have um, much feel-good factor around them at the moment. And um, you know, I've spoken to a couple of our, our patrons who um following this team and they, they don't really know what to expect. They ultimately aren't sure that this is going to go particularly well. Um, they... Look, they they just talk, constantly talk about this team being inconsistent in in recent times in every sense, whether it's the way that they play, whether it's the results that they get. Um, obviously, like a lot of the time, it's about finding having Lozano in the wide areas, and that's where they will look to have joy. Um, the good thing for them on the other flank is that they're going to have Alexis Vega, who could have a, a real breakout tournament too. Like he's a player that I've got down to watch in this tournament. Um, he's creative. He's quick. He's um, he's got a real. He's got something special about him, and he's, he is another one of those players that could could break through. And, and Mexico really need a spark. It seems like at the moment they really just need something to happen. Now their main aim just has to be to get out of the group, and like they're obviously going to be contenders to do that. I don't know, man. They do usually make it to the last sixteen and um, no further. So, that's yeah, the thing. So like, the fifth game. Yeah, that's their thing. So I'd probably give them 
I'm probably going to give them the edge here and say they'll make it out the group, but there doesn't seem to be that much expectation maybe as there usually would be for a Mexico team. Yeah. And that's, that that's where Poland step in as like probably like, you know, the favorites for second spot, but they're also trying to defeat their own kind of inner demons to a point as well. I mean, they haven't actually made it to the knockouts of a world cup since 1986 and they've, they've qualified for a fair few additions between then and now. Um, which means that they are kind of fighting against their own history. And there's a real, there's a kind of like a real like lust in the country. Like we need to get, we need to make it to this fourth game. Like we've got to get, we've got to get there. It's becoming a bit of a thing. Yeah. Mexico um, have a fifth game curse. Poland have a fourth game curse. Yeah, exactly. One step back. Um, and also Lewandowski just doesn't really have a great record in tournaments. Um, I know that it's really hard to score in major tournaments and I don't necessarily hold it all against him, but he only has five goals in World Cup finals and Euros finals combined. It's just not very many. And that includes a home Euros as well, like a joint home Euros in 2012. He's been a top player the entire time, basically. About a decade uh, or, or so since he moved to Borussia Dortmund and became one of the world's best strikers. And he just hasn't really been able to deliver. Now, it's not all on him, obviously. Poland have ne- not necessarily had elite creators to, to supplement him and things like that. But, you know, one of those things that you probably usually bank on going into a tournament, like, oh, yeah, they've got an elite number nine, they'll score the goals, hasn't necessarily come true. So Poland need to get over their own thing with regard to the the game the game four. They need to get Lewandowski rolling. And I guess in, like, they've got Zielinski and Napoli, who's having a great season. They've got Zemanski at Feyenoord, who's having a great season. And they've got two really good wingbacks, Matty Cash and Nikola Zalewski from Roma. Like they've got the ammunition. Like let's see it come. Let's see it come through. I think with Mexico in relative turmoil, if it's the right word to say, but they, they definitely don't feel like a together camp, a happy camp. And Saudi Arabia being clearly the fourth best team in this group, it's there for Poland. It, it's absolutely there for them if they can take it. And I, I actually really hope they do because I, going without the knockout stages for that long. That's that's not nice. That's tough. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard. I mean, just coming on to Saudi Arabia, they will fancy their chances of of causing a little bit of a shock here. Now, look, I don't think anyone is sitting there thinking that they're going to beat Argentina. But I think they'll look at that Mexico team in a bit of turmoil, as you say. Um, and they'll look at this Poland side and go, right, well, they haven't got a great record. It's in a familiar climate in, the, in a neighbouring country, this World Cup. They had a really, really good qualification campaign. Look, recent results haven't been very good. Let's let's be perfectly honest with you. But they're another one of these sides that will look not to concede. They'll look to play one on the counter through the wings. Um, they have two very, very good, very fast wingers in Salem Al-Dasari and Fahad Al-Mawalad. And they are rapid, like proper rapid. Um, but both also have that composure in front of goal um, and that ability to work in, in small spaces as well. I mean, that's where the threat comes from. They have three very good players, those two, uh, and Salman Al-Faraj, who's the, the captain and kind of talisman. He plays in defensive midfield and he's the one that looks to kind of turn defence into attack in transition for Saudi Arabia. They've been very I good. I remember him from 2018, actually, yeah, Al-Faraj. Yeah, yeah, he was good. And he'll be good again here, I think. Um, it's not the best team in the world, as you say, they're, they are on paper by far the, the worst team in this group. But the way they play, I think, gives them a chance. Um, and the way that they'll set up and look to, to just sort of sit in, they're very, very, you know, they're very determined to get back when they lose the ball. Is one of those sides. They're a little bit like Ecuador 
Sam, is probably the comparison I'd use. They they lose it and they're like, right, shape, 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 shape. Um, and and I think that what teams will will struggle with, you know, maybe Argentina aside, is finding spaces behind them. Um, now there have been mistakes in recent games and there have been defensive errors that we've seen, but they, they tend to cope and they don't tend to concede many goals. And I think that combined with you know, the fact that it's a, a local climate and the fact that there'll be a lot of travelling fans supporting them and the fact that they're good at set pieces maybe gives them, you know, a, a, a shot. This isn't a snowball's chance in hell, is probably how I'd phrase it. it, it they have a shot of causing an upset, although I still think it's it's a long shot. Yeah, big long shot. Absolutely. Uh, I'll take Argentina in first with nine points. Now, I think Poland come out of this in second place and, and they play their fourth game. Dean? I'm going to go for Mexico just because I want them to. Like Sam's being far more logical than me, and there's no doubt here. But um, I just want Mexico's vibes to turn better, and that they help them through. No, no, I can imagine. I can imagine. Uh, a good Mexico go... team is is really crucial to a good World Cup. Oh, it's, it is. It's, it's a joy. Of, it's isn't one of it? the core ingredients. It's like garlic or onion in any sauce. Yeah, I'd agree. I'd agree. Um, but I am going to go with you, Sam. I'm going to go Argentina and Poland on this one. Uh, and with that, let's come on to Group D, uh, which has France, Denmark, Australia and Tunisia. Dean, are France vulnerable? Well, they are in the centre of midfield because they've got their best players there. Um, no Kante and Pogba is, is a problem. Now, when I tipped them to win the last World Cup, I just I just looked at it and I was like I just don't see a weakness in this team I, I they've just got everything they've got depth they've got stars in every position they've got backups in every position um, they've got experience they've got some players looking to make a name for themselves and they did they had everything and they've still got a lot of it but in Chuameni and Kamavinga they've got two very young and inexperienced players to step in if they even play it might be that Rabiot plays or whoever so whoever's there is not the same for France as Pogba and Kante are when they play for France. And that's what makes them vulnerable. On top of the fact that Deschamps obviously um, just likes to mess around sometimes and tinker with things. And there'll be some, I'm sure, some in-house fighting at some point um, in the France camp. There's Adjir already... Rabiot's mum will turn up at some point. Yeah, so there's good. always some some little subplot to any, any major tournament. Um, but there's there's no doubt that they're obviously expecting to go there. They're going there to win it. And that's just how they, the mentality that they have again, like they're different to England because they do have that expectation to win rather than that hope to win. And that is a difference maker. Like that is what separates the very good from the absolute elite. I think that the France do have that. And obviously like Mbappe, they've got possibly the best player um, best young player certainly on the world right now. Um, he's, he could be anything he wants at this tournament if things go for him. Um, so that they've got a really good squad and then even in backup, like you think, okay, so they've got Benzema back in the fold now. Um, they've got Mbappe, they've got Griezmann. And they've still got Olivier Giroud. And Giroud probably going to be a key player at this World Cup because he might not be a guaranteed starter, but he'll probably figure in most matches. And what a player to have to come on. We've seen like even at Milan at 36 years old, still so important. He's close to getting a scoring record for France as well. So he's got extra motivation coming into this. Um, 
they were undefeated in qualification. They only conceded three goals in qualification. Um, they're obviously one of the favourites to win it if if they can just keep their heads, to be honest. And if, if in the centre of the park, they do have two players that can step up and make sure that they can control matches, mm. that's probably going to be the key. Can they find people that can control? Because they've got to find that balance between the attack and the defence, and that's going to be key. Yeah, it's interesting that you talk it through. It's easy to get caught up in the weeds, isn't it? Like, oh, Kante's out, Pogba's out, Varane hasn't played a game for a month or so. They've got injuries. Uh, Luca Hernandez has only managed to just come back. It's really easy to get caught up in all of that. And then you just remember, oh, and also, obviously, they're cursed because the World Cup winners always go out in the group stage in the following edition. Um, But then you're like, well, actually, they've got Benzema and Bappe and Griezmann. And Griezmann's back in great form. And it's like yeah, and and oh, Kunku and Giroud and Marcus Tura, if they just if those lads don't perform yeah, for whatever reason. Yeah, they've got so much ammunition. And you know, this is a team that, as Dean just said, like, you know, the, the defense defensive record was very, very strong. And one thing we've always said about France is they've got like a billion centre backs to choose from and they're all excellent. So like how how far do you sway? And like 50% of me is convinced they're going to flop, but the other 50% of me thinks they're going to win the tournament. How does that work? It doesn't. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever, but this is kind of what the tournament setup does to you, right? It's, it's the way it kind of sets it up. Um, anything can happen at this World Cup. You never know if it's going to be the strength or the weakness that's going to tell and it's going to be exploited or is going to, or is going to go. And I find France incredibly hard to gauge. Really, really difficult. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Um, I want to talk about Denmark, who obviously were the feel-good story of Euro 2020. Uh, after Christian Eriksen's cardiac arrest, they rallied around him. They got that unbelievable win over Russia at Parken. And um, yeah, it, it was just one of those those stories that, that brought football together, I think. And and since then, it's been going well. And, and actually, the thing that, that interests me is that less than a month ago, Denmark beat France 2-0 in a, in a Nations League game. Now, it wasn't a full-strength France side, let's be clear. Um, but there was a lot of players playing this. Mbappe played, Griezmann played, Giroud started up front in that one. Mondi, Kamavinga, Chiomeni, Pavard, Saliba, Upamecano, Badiashile. So, you know, it's there was a couple of probably rotated pieces into to centre-back and Giroud started ahead of Benzema. But on the whole, very good France side that they came up against and... Christian Eriksen absolutely ran the game, ran the game. And this side, I think, feel comfortable and confident in one of one of those things where like people are like, oh, they'll they'll never win that group because France are in it. They're like, all right, come on then. And and I think that Denmark have a very, very good chance of winning this group. And and you look at this team, and we've obviously talked about Joachim Mela, uh, who dominates that left-hand flank and, and did so at the last Euros. He scored another five in qualifying in this in this for this tournament. They've brought in Skov Olsen, who's having a really good season. He got five in in there as well. And then, you know, Damsgord, who hasn't really made an impression for Brentford just yet, um, but we know is a very, very good player. They have Andreas Christensen and Jürgen Andersen as the first-choice centre-back pairing. Simon Kier still kicking about, but... He hasn't quite broken in back in since his, since his injury. Rasmus Christensen has been playing really, really well for Leeds. It's a really good side, like kind of across the board. And then you have Hoybier and, and Delaney in the middle, the old war horses who know exactly what they're doing. The only real question mark for Denmark is 
who scores the goals. And Kasper Dolberg's mostly been given the nod through the middle. Um, he's kind of failed to get going since his move to Sevilla. And he's had bright spells in his career. Obviously, that first spell at Ajax was excellent. And then he went off to France and his first season was really good there. And then he fell away again. And now he's ended up in, in Seville. But I think that, you know, you look at a player like like Dolberg and you think, is he going to be one who can step up for his country um, in these situations? You know, we talked about Memphis doing it. We've talked about the South American players doing it as well. Is Dolberg someone who can go, right, it doesn't matter that I'm not playing all that much for, for my club. Can I step up for my country? Because the rest of this side is so good and they will create for him. If you can put a couple of those chances away, suddenly Denmark look like they're in business. And and I think that with with all the, you know, narrative surrounding this with the return of Christian Eriksen to, to the biggest stage in football. I think it's a really good chance that Denmark can repeat that feat from, from September and beat France atop this group because generally I feel that they're a more cohesive side. There's no in, there's no in-house fighting. There's no massive injury layoffs that we're worried about for the Danes. You, you just kind of look at it and go, why not? And, and I do think they will be looking at it and thinking that as well. Yeah, I mean, the the number nine situation for Denmark is a little bit underwhelming, but I'm actually just not convinced that that matters that much. Um, we talked not about, when Mailer keeps scoring five goals for the crack. Yeah, when you've got Scott Olsen and Mailer, and 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 then you've got guys like yeah, even like Pierre Emil Hoiberg has been an unbelievable goal scoring form recently. Eriksson can obviously shoulder the load. Thomas Delaney and and a couple of others are excellent from set pieces. Um, Ultimately, tournaments, you know, you don't live or die by your number nine in a tournament, really. Uh, Michael Cox has just done a big piece in The Athletic about like, how, how to win a tournament. And he's deduced that correctly that, you know, that it's not it's not essential to have a number nine. I mean, you only have to look at Spain, you know, in back in 2010, who won most games 1-0. And they really struggled for uh, like an absolute bona fide goal scorer. So it's not it's not like a crippling issue that it would be maybe if you're trying to survive 38 games in the Premier League. If you don't yeah. have goals there, if you don't have a number nine, you are in trouble. It's not the case here at tournaments. Small sample size, set pieces, goals from midfield, wingbacks. That's that's ultimately where you can you can you can gain the advantage and you can get through. And like I'm kind of with you. Like I just love the Denmark setup. I love the the tactical philosophy um that they have. I love the flexibility, but I love the aggression. Um I think I also think they're going to win the group. I ah, do I? Go to Dean. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, let's just talk quickly before we do the predictions about the other two sides in here, um, Australia and Tunisia. This is the group, I think, for most people where it looks pretty clear cut, or the most clear cut, if you will, who the two mm. teams qualifying are going to be. Um, Dean, a, w a word on Tunisia? They're just not very good, I'm afraid. Um, expectations are extremely low. They qualified in the in the playoffs against Mali, um, and they it's two legged affair. It's the pretty much the best draw they could have got. They won the away leg one nil. It was an own goal, and they drew the second leg at home nil nil. Um, in the Africa Cup of Nations, they made it to the quarterfinals by losing more games than they actually won. It's yeah. It, yeah, there's we, really not. There's this. not much about them. Like they're, they're just really coming here in in hope more than expectations. They might score a couple of goals. If they do, it'll probably be Wabi Kazri. Um, most people have probably heard of him. He plays for Montpellier at the moment. Um, but yeah, they don't really have much about them, to be honest. And they might be one of the whipping boys. 
Yeah, and Australia, I don't think I have any more pleasant words to say about Australia, sadly. Uh, apologies to Mitch Wiley, but um, it's um, it's not a good team. The fans hate the coach. They hate the style of play. They've got a couple of a couple of injuries have kind of maybe destabilised them a little bit, but Australia don't really have any goals anywhere. You know, it's not just about the fact that the number nine doesn't score. It, like, they just don't really do it. And they're to- that one of my favourite stats is that, you know, during the actual initial phases of qualifying um, over in the AFC, Harry Sutar, who is a gigantic centre-back for Stoke City, he scored six goals in 10 appearances from set pieces against like Chinese Taipei and Jordan. And like, obviously that doesn't work when you start to play like real football teams and then you need to find other solutions and they just don't really have any. They have a, a good player that plays for Hellas Verona, Aydin Hrustic, um, yeah. who's just about fit for the tournament, just about. And it was pretty touch and go, um, but he's okay. But it's, it's not a particularly inspiring tale, Australia. The football won't be good. The quality isn't quite there, and 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 then there's nothing from the from from the from the technical area, from the managerial box that's that's really lifting them above their potential level. They do have so, Jason yeah, Cummings is- though, and and <laughs> when when Jason Cummings is in town, you know everything is better. Everything is better. Um, what a player that is! That is true. Um, he's not just a meme; he's also a footballer. They do have a potential breakout star in Garan Kual, who was just um, who's just signed for Newcastle. I don't think he's even started an A-League game yet. He keeps coming off the bench and scoring braces, though. He will be interesting to watch for the last 20 minutes. So watch out for him. But ultimately, Australia will not inspire in the same way that Tunisia do not. And like, I mean, I don't know what the odds are for, you know, the the France-Denmark double qualification here, but they should be in, like, it's, you could put multiple houses on this and it will it will come like there's just no threat. but what about the curse sam but what about the curse you can't be putting multiple houses on the cursed team oh, that's it's true unfair. actually yeah that's um, true take that back <laughs> right um that just leaves us with the predictions for the group uh sam which way are you going yeah go to dean first see what he says dean well i just think france have got more goal power so they'll probably win it on the fact of, of winning of scoring more goals they'll probably they'll they, draw that game and it'll just go down to goal difference they'll, they'll draw with denmark and then it'll be down to who scored the most goals in the others so uh, i'm gonna back france to win it in denmark second okay sam it's quite good logic yeah, good i'll logic. go with that i'll go with that i'm gonna i'm gonna put the danes top i think the danes win it no that's, but, fair. Um, that's fair yeah uh, that's i think fair. it's a reasonable assumption for once here i'm making a reasonable assumption yeah i'm uh, not gonna on argue a, with that on one well with that i think we're gonna call this part of the podcast to an end part one groups a to d finish you can skip over to part two where we cover groups e to h all that's left for me to do right now is say thank you very much to the rank god mr sam Tsai. cheers mate Thank you very much. Star Transfer Guru, Mr. Dean Jones. Cheers, mate. Avid Jack Collins, Knave of Hearts. Second part is live now, so head over there to listen to that one. Take it easy, gang. Peace.